You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Think about this. Every sin that you and I have committed, the Lord will never count that against us ever. Aren't you glad? No, think about that. <laughs> no sin? Yeah. No. Even that sin? Something just came to mind right now when I said that, didn't it? No sin! Most all of us have some sin in our past that's hard to forget. You might lie awake at night mulling it over, feeling shame and regret over that one choice. But as Pastor J.D. encourages us in today's message, as much as that transgression may haunt your memory, you can have joy and confidence knowing that God has forgiven you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 32 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There's this thought that, oh man, that, that was really bad. Might take a while before the Lord's going to forgive me for that one. Especially because I did it again. Can't believe I did that again. And it's like the Lord's in, in heaven going, man, I, I don't know. I have to think about this one. It might take a few days. No. First John 1 9. It's been called the, rightfully so, the Christian bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, transgression, sin, iniquity, all of the above. It's there. The forgiveness is there. The only thing that waits for our forgiveness is us. We're the only ones that can delay the forgiveness because it awaits our repentance. And that's what I think the takeaway from this psalm is. And it's interesting because the Apostle Paul would refer to this psalm in his epistle to the Romans, chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. He says, Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing, and he quotes right here from this psalm, when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. You know, sometimes, I don't know what it is, and I know you're a lot like me in this regard, but we read a passage like that, we read a psalm like this, and it's almost like we, we know it, We've read it before, we understand it, but I don't know that we fully grasp the intensity of it. And I'll explain 
what I mean by that. Think about this. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count, never count against them. You know what that means? I'm not trying to, you know, bring up any past memories of gross and horrific sin, but think about this. Every sin that you and I have committed, the Lord will never count that against us ever. Aren't you glad? No, think about that. (laughs) No sin? Yeah, no. Even that sin? Something just came to mind right now when I said that, didn't it? No sin. It will never be counted against you. How blessed are you? That's what David is saying. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. How blessed. I don't even know that the word blessed adequately captures it. How blessed am I? I am eternally blessed for all eternity. I will be the recipient of this blessing of God's forgiveness and never counting against me my sins, my transgressions, my iniquity. That's the beauty of this psalm and that's the takeaway from this psalm. Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. That's how the Lord sees our praise. It's beautiful to him. Praise the Lord with the harp. This, by the way, is one of those places in God's word where people come up with the idea that we're going to be playing harp in heaven for all eternity. I hope you know that that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. We're going to be praising him and worshiping him. But heaven is not a place just filled with all of these harps. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers, verse 7, the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation, interesting, whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord, verse 13, looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. 
He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. And this is interesting, verse 16. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, verse 18, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him. Because we have trusted in His holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. I love this psalm. I love this psalm. It's a powerful psalm. It's a powerful psalm because it's about the power of God to rule over all and overrule all. God overrules all the affairs of man. And this truth is of paramount importance because this is, to me, a reminder of that famous promise that we love to quote in Romans 8.28. For we know that God works all things together for the good. He overrules all things. He rules over all things. And he will make all things as only he can work for our good. According to his purpose. For those of us who know him. Who love him. God will as again only he can. And is always faithful to take whatever it is and overrule it and work it out. It will always be for our good and for his glory. And that's what David is giving voice to in this psalm. It's about God's providence in all of our circumstances. Listen, nothing ever happens in our lives that catches God by surprise. Does that make sense? I mean, can you imagine? Something happens and you know you start you start praying, oh God! And 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 God's in heaven going, What? What happened? When when did this happen? I had no idea. He's all knowing, he's all present, he's all powerful. He knows exactly what's going to happen before it happens. And he's already ordained that whatever does happen and is allowed to happen will be worked out for our good and for his glory. Though at the time that you're going through it, it doesn't seem like that. And here's the other thing that happens, and we're all prone to it. From the time that God takes the bad and makes the good, rules over all and overrules all, can seem like it's unnecessarily long. And we become impatient. And we start thinking that God doesn't care, or that God's angry at us, or that he's mad at us, or that he's punishing us. Certainly that's why he's allowing this to happen in my life. 
I think it's interesting when David says that uh, no military might is going to deliver you. God is. Sometimes I wonder, and I, I, I've experienced this in my own life, you know, God is a jealous God, not jealous of us, jealous for us. And there's a difference. And he's very uh, interested in that which is the object of our devotion and affection and trust. And so when we start trusting in other things, then God takes notice. And I wonder sometimes, and again, I, I know in my own life when I have this tendency to trust in something or even someone, and it's, it's not very long before I'm disappointed and they let me down. And you can always know that you're putting your trust in something or someone by how devastated you are when it doesn't work out as you had hoped. Wow, it sounds like I struck a chord there. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Because when, not if that happens, it's that time when God is there saying, Hello, uh, man will always fail you. I will never fail you. I, 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 it's interesting, in the Old Testament, repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, God would have Moses have Aaron speak to the people and say to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God. And I, I imagine the emphasis being on, I am the Lord. They're not the Lord your God. I think about when they are making the exodus out of Egypt, they're wandering in the wilderness, and Moses is on the mount, <laughs> and Aaron, his older brother, is uh, down there, and the people start complaining. And they, they start saying to Aaron, Moses isn't coming back. And we need a God to worship. We're kind of in the market for a, a God. And so under intense pressure, he takes the gold that they got from Egypt. And he makes this golden calf, which was one of the many Egyptian gods. And I, it's, it's hard to imagine if it wasn't in the word of God, you would, you would question it. I mean, how could this be? But he declares, after he's made this golden calf, he declares to the Israelites that this is the God, the calf, is the God that delivered them out of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then it, it, it kind of um, gives you a better understanding of why the Lord would say, I am the Lord your God that delivered you out of Egypt. That's not the Lord that your God that delivered you. I am the Lord your God that delivered you. You're, oh, you're putting your trust in them. Oh, you're putting your trust in your candidate. Ooh, pastor, you're really going to get. You're really going to start meddling, aren't you? You're putting your your trust in a president. Really? How's that working out for you? Really? No, I'm putting my trust in you, Lord. You are the Lord, my God. Only you can deliver. In you will I put my hope and my trust. Well, I kind of got off there a little bit. Psalm 34, 
Now this is a really interesting psalm, and we're told about this psalm that it was when David had feigned or pretended madness before Abimelech. This happened in the Philistine city of Gath. For those of you who were with us on Thursday nights back when we were in 1 Samuel, I think it was 1 Samuel 10, is the uh, very interesting account of what happened. Uh, David is fleeing for his life from Saul, who wants to kill him, have him killed, because he's the next king of Israel. And so for many years, David is basically homeless, living in caves, running for his life, because Saul wants to take his life. And so out of fear, he flees to this Philistine city of Gath. And it's really interesting because he takes with him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine that he had slain. And so here he is in the very city of the Philistines and he shows up and they recognize him. And they surely recognize the sword. You got to wonder what David's thinking. And so he realizes that because they've recognized him, hey, wait a minute, this is David, you know, the one that uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. You know those tens of thousands that, that David killed? This was the most popular song downloaded on iTunes back in that day. And <laughs> the tens of thousands that David uh, killed, Those were our brothers and fathers and uncles and sons. Those were the ten thousands that he killed. And that's him. That's Goliath's sword. And here David thinks somehow that he can hide from Saul in a place that Saul would never go. Surely Saul will never go to the city of Gath, this Philistine city of Gath. Saul's never going to go there, even if he knew I was there. So I must be safe there. (laughs) Really, David? So you show up there. They go, wait a minute, this is David. And Abimelech is like, there's no way. There's no way, David. Nobody is that stupid to come. David would not be, this is not the David. So what does David do when he realizes he's been found out? And they recognized him. He starts pretending like he's insane. And so he's, he starts, you gotta, you gotta give him credit. He would have won an Academy Award for the acting because he acted like he was mad. He was out of his mind. And actually pretty smart because, uh, in that day, if somebody was, you know, insane, they wouldn't ever do anything, uh, to them if they were insane. So David started acting like he's, so he starts foaming at the mouth and you know, he's gnawing on the door, you know, and, and Abimelech goes, no, that's not David. This guy's mad. I don't care if he's got Goliath's sword. That, that can't be David. And it worked and God delivered him. Now I went back to my notes when we were uh, studying uh, in first Samuel and I had uh, written down something, and I, and I thought about it again, and it kind of makes sense that he should have never done it in the first place, but God was very merciful to him. And I believe God gave David that 
idea of feigning madness in order to deliver David from the Philistines there in Gath because it worked. And they, they just left him alone and he got out of there like nobody's business. And so this psalm is about that. So it says, who Abimelech drove him away and he departed. You think? So here's the psalm. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord. See, when you know the backstory, it really kind of, you know, fills in the blanks. He is so grateful. He is so thankful. He is praising God for what God did, getting him out of this mess that he had gotten himself into. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. He was a dead man. If, the, if he had not feigned madness, and, and been driven away by Abimelech, who doesn't need another madman in his, you know, gates, so he drives him away. Had he not done that, are you kidding me? This is the David that killed the tens of thousands of our Philistines? He was a dead man. And God delivered him. Verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, verse 9, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Can you just picture this? Oh, how amazing would that have been to sit at David's feet later in his years, in an older age? Come here, you guys. I want to tell you about the time that I fled to Gath, the city of the Philistines. And God just saved my bacon. And I feigned madness. And the Lord delivered me. I was as good as dead. Ah, oh, let me tell you about the Lord and His goodness. And let me teach you the fear of the Lord. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. 
A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 